It's a gold mine. A gold mine, I tell you. Teeming with untapped potential. I have to advise against this, Conrad. There are more advantageous opportunities for diversification. It's the 1940s, another man said. For heaven's sake, Conrad, the Caribbean is on the way out, let alone a dump like San Juan. His board members tried to dissuade him, but Mr. Conrad Hilton possessed those two most deadliest of attributes, preposterous self-confidence and unbridled ambition. We are talking about a man who kept a copy of his autobiography in every room of his eponymous hotel chain. So opposing was his board of directors and so adamant was Mr. Hilton that he formed a separate company in order to take his hotels beyond the contiguous U.S. Thus, in 1949, the Carib Hilton opened its doors as the first Hilton International property in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Congruently, the island's governor, Luis Munoz Marin, was implementing Operation Bootstrap, an auspicious plan to industrialize and modernize PR. Operation Bootstrap also served as the perfect PR stunt for Conrad Hilton to bring his special brand of American luxury to the tropics. His grand vision was to offer travelers from the U.S. the leisure lifestyle and creature comforts they had come to expect from home while venturing abroad. Because, after all, why travel to a tropical island paradise if it's not exactly like Manhattan? In this sense, one can argue the degradation of the tropical escape began waning under the stress of capitalism thanks to Mr. Hilton. He ostensibly laid the groundwork for what would eventually become the dreadful, all-inclusive resort. We can't point all the blame on Conrad, though. It's true, the classic Caribbean getaways like Jamaica and Cuba, those historical meccas of tropical rum genuity, had seen better days. Tiki was becoming kitsch. Havana was boiling towards revolution, and air travel added much more options to the tropical palate. Even with cocktail legend Joe Shalom at the helm and an actual Trader Vic's restaurant in the lobby, the Carib Hilton was, the Carib Hilton was forever destined to become the harbinger of tropical transition. So it's fitting that the Carib Hilton holds claim to the drink that represents the passage of tropical cocktails into boat drinks. It simultaneously employs a simple and delicious recipe while opening the floodgates of untoward and frankly unpalatable future concoctions. Yet, its cultural impact on San Juan and the genre of tropical drinks in general is undeniable. So, ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, grab your Speedo, some SPF 50, send the kids to the buffet and head up to the Lido deck, because today we're cruising with some pina coladas, baby. I absolutely welcome this break from conjecture. It's about time I don't have to spend countless hours piecing together some kind of origin story. Instead, those hours can be spent in the name of recipe research, i.e. tasting lots of pina coladas. The reason this drink holds a place in our paradismal portfolio of debauchery is that its origins are actually quite Caribbean. The piña fría, literally meaning cold pineapple, is a Cuban drink made of fresh-pressed, unstrained pineapple juice with rum. Rum and pineapple are no strangers in the night. On the contrary, the two complement each other like Bogey and Bacall, Sid and Nancy, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. In fact, my first foray into tropical dalliance was Captain Morgan White and pineapple juice with a lime wedge squeezed on top. 
Later, I discovered I was drinking a bastardized version of the pineapple daiquiri. Trader Vic himself wrote about a contraption used in Havana where a vendor would, quote, turn a crank to beat hell, unquote, rendering a fresh, unstrained pineapple juice, then mixed with rum and sugar to make Ron Pinas. Strain it and add shaved ice, and you have a strained pineapple, or pina colada. This is still referred to as a Cuban-style pina colada, but there's a lot more to the story before we get to the creamy frozen coconut concoction we know and love as the quintessential summer drink. Lots of local Puerto Rican entrepreneurs benefited from Operation Bootstrap seed money, including one startup company, Coco Lopez Cream of Coconut. Coconut cream has a long-standing tradition in Puerto Rican cuisine, but prior to Coco Lopez, rendering cream of coconut was an arduous task of gathering, grating, heating, straining, and skimming. Coco Lopez did all the hard work, mixed it with cane sugar, and sold it in a can beginning in 1954. Like so many Caribbean hotels do even to this day, the Carib Hilton offered a welcome drink to new arrivals checking in. A bit of pre-depravity potion for those looking for the quickest route towards trading banality for bacchanal. The Carib's welcome drink already included coconut cream, the hard way, mixed with rum, apricot brandy, coconut water, and lime juice. Now, utilizing the new Coconut Lopez product, coconut cream flowed like tropical manna from the tiki gods into all manner of island drink. That's when a bartender named Ramon Manchito Marrero Perez suggested adding some Coco Lopez to the hotel's Piña Fria. They mixed it, sipped it, then he looked around the room. Eh? Eh? Am I right or am I right? At that moment, somewhere in Tahiti, a totem's eyes glowed red. Future cruise ship captains shifted uncomfortably in their beds. Every island in the Caribbean shook like a wet dog. A stressed-out businessman bought a Hawaiian shirt. Expats sneered while parents excitedly dreamed of poolside excursions. And all the while, dollar signs rolled in Conrad Hilton's eyes. Much like a dystopian future where our own technology rises against us, the advent of the pina colada set in motion the beginning of the end of vintage Tropicalia. Okay, okay, I'm being a bit dramatic and a bit hard on the old colada. Truth is, this was indeed the last drink considered to be part of the traditional tropical repertoire. It gets a bad rap, but totally deserves to be here. Why? Because at its heart, the pina colada still embodies and emboldens flavors of the Caribbean. When I was in Vinales, Cuba, we visited a tobacco farm on which there was a little shack in a field with a covered patio for us to rest along our walking tour. Here they offered my fiancé a pina colada. I don't know what to tell you, but this was one of the best things I ever put in my mouth. Period. Hands down. I can't even do it justice in, justice in words. Ice creamy, coconutty, puree of pineapple, maybe? I don't know what they put in there, but it was amazing. Then we find out it was a virgin, just a refresher. When asked if she wanted rum, they brought out a bottle of vodka and told her to help herself. It was a strange but absolutely amazing experience. Then we sipped some homemade guava or guanabano rum, but that's another story for another podcast. That experience showed me what a pina colada could and should be, and I set out on a mission to replicate it. I could not. Whatever the family secret is on that Cuban tobacco farm, it is lost on this Yankee. But that didn't halt my endeavor to find the perfect pina colada one that transcends cruise ship pools and pre-made frozen mixes. 
The national drink of Puerto Rico holds court alongside the essential tropical vacation sippers. In Key West, you're getting a margarita. Evening in Havana, you better order a daiquiri. When dancing in Miami, it's mojitos, and, and you better get a planner's punch in Jamaica. If you go to a tiki bar, it would be a fool's errand not to order a Mai Tai or a zombie. And keeping in that spirit, when you're lounging by the pool, nothing checks all the boxes like a good old-fashioned pina colada. The pina colada is to pools what whiskey is to campfires. So, that being said, let's make a drink! The weird part about a pina colada is that unlike its margarita or Mai Tai counterparts, a poor pina still tastes pretty good. It's like pizza, right? Sure, that spot on the corner in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn makes the best late-night slice in town, but in a pinch, I'll still devour a Red Baron. Is it still okay to say Red Baron? But seriously, rum, pineapple juice, and coconut cream are going to taste great in any combo. But I'm going to go over what I found to create a sophisticated boat drink, if there is such a thing. Let's start, as one always should, with the rum. It's said that Manchito Perez used Don Q Gold at the Carib Hilton when creating the first pina colada. Don Q is pretty affordable, but as you know, I believe there is a place for all kinds of rums, no matter what they cost. Don't be a snob about it. I went ahead and got a bottle of each, the silver and the gold Don Q. Even if the rum wasn't good, which it really is, I would still have stuck with the classic Puerto Rican Don Q simply for tradition. Intuitively, it didn't make a difference. Both flavors, separate or combined, of the gold or the silver, barely cut through the intense, rich, frozen creaminess of a pina colada. I went with gold for posterity. Next, let's tackle the aforementioned cream of coconut. Coco Lopez is still the agreed-upon standard for tropical tippling and moss, but I've also used the Goya brand, which I find works just as well and may be more available in certain areas. Upon inspecting the labels, the biggest difference is calorie and serving size. Um, Coco Lopez is 130 calories per serving against Goya's 110, which tells me that Coco Lopez has 20 more deliciousness. Both are products of Dominican Republic and both come in 15-ounce cans, even though Goya claims to have one more serving per can than Lopez, telling me that it's a true Caribbean product, where rules of measurement are merely a suggestion. Honestly, both are fine, but I did find Coco Lopez a bit more rich, so I recommend it as it hits the points for all versions of this drink. More on that later. The other pertinent ingredient is, of course, pineapple juice. It's imperative, I think, to procure the right pineapple for the version of this drink. As much as I hate to admit it, you can actually use the generic dull pineapple juice for the basic version of a pina colada. It does offer some sweetness, since there is no added sugar in this quote-unquote cocktail. I will, as always though, recommend using a not-from-concentrate unsweetened juice, such as that from Trader Joe's. But alas, in keeping with the Cuban style of fresh-pressed, sort of, I found that cutting up a whole pineapple and macerating it in a blender renders a smooth, flavorful, fresh alternative to pre-canned juice. Blended up and set aside, you can then use the same measurement of pineapple puree in place of juice to add a bit of texture to your pina colada. That will not only impress, but instill a bit of tradition in your drink. The final two ingredients are used in only one version we're going to discuss. Those are lime juice, which you should know my stance on, as always, using fresh squeezed, or letting God have mercy on your soul. And lastly, heavy cream. Make sure to get a heavy whipping cream, but any brand will do. I recommend your local store brand. You don't want to go crazy on it. Okay, so today we're going to cover three recipes. 
I found to be the best in all three categories. And I made these categories up, so it doesn't matter. The first category is going to be the classic. Then I'm going to do the fancy. And then the boat drink. So the first is my least favorite, but worth an honorable mention. That's the classic over ice. This is most likely how it would have been originally served at the Carib Hilton. Electric blenders were already in use by Constantine in Cuba by now, but the pina colada being a riff on Carib's pina fria, they probably would not have employed the frozen aspect until later. So it stands to reason the first pina colada was not frozen. As follows, you're going to do 2 ounces Puerto Rican rum, 1.5 ounces of coconut cream, 3 ounces of pineapple juice or puree, and a half ounce of lime juice. Shake and pour over crushed ice into a hurricane or tall Collins glass. Garnish with pineapple chunk and bright red maraschino cherry for effect. The next recipe we're going to cover is for the aficionados out there. If you want to make your pina colada more of a high-end cocktail with more complexity, this is the version I've distilled down through vigorous quote-unquote research on how to fancy up your pina colada. More of a dessert drink, this recipe will leave men and women alike singing your pina power prowess for summers to come. <clears throat> Two ounces Don Q gold rum. One and a half ounces of Coco Lopez coconut cream. Four ounces of pineapple puree. A half ounce of lime juice. One ounce of heavy whipping cream. And one cup of crushed ice. Blend all that, I recommend in a Nutribullet. And pour into a hurricane or a tall tiki mug. Drop two maraschino cherries on top for effect, and I dare you to tell me you're not in a fool's paradise. Warning, more than one of these in a small period of time can leave one feeling quite full and a bit creamy. You'll notice the uh, addition of the heavy cream and the lime juice kind of offsets that extra sweetness. But between the heavy cream and the coconut cream, what you're really doing with the heavy cream is adding texture to the drink. But with the sweetness of the heavy cream, you need the lime juice to offset a bit of the sweetness. That one cup of crushed ice is going to give you just enough ice to make it frothy without really being too frozen. But the last recipe is your standard boat drink pina colada. And honestly, my favorite. Every geographic locale, locale or situation calls for their inherent libation, and vacationing on a cruise ship in the Caribbean is no different. This is the quintessential. Easy. Two ounces Don Q rum. One and a half ounces of coconut cream. Three ounces Dole pineapple juice. And one and a half cups of crushed ice. Hell, I'll even allow an audible on this one. Have fun with it by using coconut flavored rum. I prefer Bacardi or Margaritaville. Blend till smooth and pour your pour to a clear hurricane glass. Why clear? Well, let's talk about the garnish. I have always done my recipes for the home bartender, so again, there's no need of garnish for garnish's sake. But in accordance with the boat drink vibe, why not? They seem to be the epitome of corny drink garnish, but after all, it's a pina colada, so the bright red maraschino cherries work great for this. Not to mention the red cherry syrup adds some color to the drink and a little sweetness. There you have it, folks. Straight from the imbiber's mouth, from my lips to the tiki god's ears. The pina colada may have ushered in the age of the boat drink, but holds a place as the last great invention of Caribbean cocktails. A classic drink simple in both ancestry and flavor. I mean, who doesn't like the God-given flavor symphony of pineapple and coconut?
With candies and vapes and a slew of products modeled after it, the Pina Colada holds a place in our history alongside such greats as the margarita as one of the most duplicated flavors in the terroir of tropical tippling. It's Pina. It's Colada. It's vacation in a glass. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. My name is Tony. This has been Pod Tiki. Some sources for this episode, I heavily relied on Jeff Berry's Potions of the Caribbean, Don Q's website and social media, as well as articles from Imbibe, Difford's Guide, and Liquor.com, respectively. I want to thank you so much for listening. Please follow me at rum underscore poet on Instagram, and you can follow the podcast at pod underscore tiki for all kinds of weird tiki libation type stuff. Uh... Also, make sure you go to podtiki.com if that's not where you found this. You click on Podtiki Archives, and you'll be able to find all the past episodes. Uh, we have margaritas, daiquiris, mojitos, all that stuff, Mai Tais. Um, please check the Podtiki YouTube channel for all the videos that I've been posting, little quickies on how to make these drinks, if you missed them on Instagram. And more, 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 and more than ever, please be safe. And once again, thank you so much.